Listener supported. WNYC Studios. WQXR. In conversation. So a few months ago, and this is back when I could walk into a bar and order a plate of chicken wings and a beer, or go dancing, or board a plane with complete public health impunity, I wound up in L.A., and it turned out I was there at the same time as one John Holiday. He's a 20 for 20 artist. He's a countertenor, and he was out there because it was the world premiere run of Matthew O'Coin's opera Eurydice. And Eurydice, as the name implies, is kind of a modern spin on the Orpheus legend. You know, this guy goes to hell and back, like literally to get back his wife. And usually Orpheus is the protagonist. We follow his story and we're tuned into his emotions and he goes to get the woman. And then, you know, depending on which version you're looking at, you know, happy or sad ending. But what makes us cool is that uh, this one is told from Eurydice's perspective. And, and John Holiday sings this role where he is like the singing consciousness of the Orphaic hero. Anyway, I met up with him and we decided to talk about that, his role in Eurydice. We talked about uh, an opera that he did back in 2017 with Opera Philadelphia called We Shall Not Be Moved, which I should note is now streaming for free on Opera Philadelphia's Digital O website. It deals with systemic racism in Philadelphia and it's set uh, against the backdrop of the MOVE headquarters, which were bombed by the Philadelphia police in 1985. We also talk about being a countertenor in a world where a lot of people know one when they hear one, but might not know the word to describe exactly what they're hearing. And we also talk about his personal lived experience as a black man in this white world of opera. Say black and hear I'm James Bennett, and this is WQXR In Conversation with John Holiday. Can you talk to me about the relationship between Black America and the opera world? And what it was like for you navigating that space as, you know, a young man in Texas? I think that's a good question. For me and my family, I was not really exposed to opera growing up. It wasn't until I became a member of the Fort Bend Boys Choir of Texas that I was exposed to classical music. Oftentimes what I hear from audiences or people who are skeptical about coming is that they feel that opera is far away from them or that we're elitist, which we always hear that, or that they don't understand the words that are coming out of the mouths of the people on stage, which I understand. But then I, I have to tell them, even when it's in English, there are going to be subtitles or surtitles for you to watch on the back of the chair or the top of the stage. But I said, most importantly, if you are really in it, if you really come to the show to gain something from it and you're really paying attention and listening, your heart will tell you what's going on. The stories that are told typically with the operas that are in the canon seem so far away. They're all about Greek mythology or, you know, Roman times, emperors, you know, queens and kings. That kind of thing can seem far away. But I think the more and more that there are people out there to say, hey, these stories make sense to you, too. And there is a way for everyone to get in um, to the opera scene. And so... I count myself really blessed 
and privileged, I have to say, to be able to be one of the change agents in the art form ushering in new audiences and the insistence upon being myself and bringing the total package that is John Holiday to the art form. Everything that I am, everything that I have, and everything that I will ever be will always be brought to the table. And so I'm thankful without ceasing for the gift of music and the gift of being able to share it with my people and all people. What are some pieces and works that aren't in that canon that you wish you could perform more often, that people heard more often? What are, what are some of those works that come to mind? Well, I'm, I'm going to say the opera that I did with Opera Philadelphia um, to inaugurate their O Festival. It was O seventeen, and we did the opera We Shall Not Be Moved, which was written by Daniel Bernard Roumain as a composer, and the librettist was Mark Bamuti-Joseph, and the director was the incomparable Bill T. Jones. The story is a difficult story to tell, but it is one of our stories. It talks about the move bombings in 1985 in Philadelphia, which most people, including African Americans, are unaware of. I was unaware of it until I did the show. But that's a story that I wish was told more. And I think because of the nature of the story, it can seem to be a little... um, difficult for for companies to program just because of the nature of of the piece. But I know that that story is just as viable and just as poignant as the story of Mimi in La Boheme. So I feel that We Shall Not Be Moved is an opera that the Metropolitan Opera should be programming. I think that these companies should do it all over the world. We took it to the Dutch National Opera, and it was well, well, well received. There are so many wonderful stories that are out there that can be told by African-American composers, Asian-American composers, Hispanic-American composers. Anyone who is writing music, I think their music deserves to be heard. And if it isn't what it's supposed to be, then, you know, so be it. But then again, who is the arbiter of what's good and what's bad? If you think about it, some of the old canon operas, are difficult stories to tell as well, but somehow they were told and they became a part of the canon. I wish everyone could hear We Should Not Be Moved. It is sensational. And I'm not saying it just because I sang in it. The music is incredible. And I count myself really blessed to have originated the role of John Blue, which is a female-to-male trans character. So it was an extraordinary piece, and I think more people should have access to it. Your resume is so full of, you know, Handel and Vivaldi and all these Baroque works. What, to you, is the draw to Baroque opera? It's just gorgeous. I mean, I, I, of course, I'm a countertenor, so I love Handel. And I find his music to be very gratifying. Handelian operas are beautiful because it's stories that people know as well. I mean, they know the story about Cleopatra, you know, and Julius Caesar and Ptolemyo or Ptolemy, as they would say, you know. Um, So these stories are well-known stories, and I think that's why people are so drawn to them. And they're also usually not very big orchestras, so it doesn't cost very much money. Uh, And they're usually not super big casts. 
you're singing the role of Orpheus's double mm-hmm. in um, Eurydice mm-hmm. here in L.A. Mm-hmm. That is one of those stories that people know, or at least has been told for a long time. It's yeah. a founding myth of music. You have this story told from her perspective, which is not something that historically the classical world is good at. Mm-hmm. So I want to know how you feel about this story about telling, you know, stories of, of, of your people mm-hmm. and how that connects how this desire to tell stories that have historically not been told, mm-hmm. how that connects with mm-hmm. this new telling of the Orpheus Smith, mm-hmm. but from the perspective not of the hero, mm-hmm. but of, you know, this this woman Eurydice who's mm-hmm. been, you know, locked in, in Hades. I think it's very important for us to have um, the point of view of everyone. It's just like a normal conversation. It would only be one-sided if... I were to speak and I had no interjections or no questions or commentary from you. You'd only hear my point of view. And sometimes my point of view can be enhanced or changed by the question that you ask. It has become a norm to tell things from the masculine perspective, very heteronormative and all that jazz. And I'm, you know, I'm here for it. I get it. But I also think it's time to start telling other stories. I think it's time for us to stop reading about the stories and start writing our stories, to be the author of our stories. So I am totally supportive and rather excited and thrilled that this opera, this iteration of Eurydice and Orpheus' story is told from her point of view. So I find it quite intriguing and interesting, even as a cast member, to to um, hear it from her perspective. This conversation, I think, has just turned into reflections on storytelling, the importance of voices and being heard. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me one story that you personally mm-hmm. would like to hear told via the medium of opera? I would love to hear the story of Bayard Rustin told via opera. Most people do not really know of Bayard Rustin because of his sexuality. He was at the forefront of the civil rights movement with Dr. Martin Luther King, often to his right side. You will always see him right next to Dr. Martin Luther King. And really, had it not been for Bayard, a lot of the things that went on during the civil rights movement would not have occurred or would not have occurred as they were organized because they were organized by him. His life is so, so, so important. And I hope that that story gets told. You said in a an interview in the LA Times, I believe in 2018, mm-hmm. that the black community is sometimes shocked to hear, mm-hmm. um, you know, a man with such a high voice. You're a countertenor, mm-hmm. but in black culture, that voice is not. It's not shocking at all. Oh. So can you just like talk about that? Why you think that is, and then maybe give us a couple of. Um, you know, prominent singers in the popular sphere oh, totally. that, you know, share your voice type? Mm-hmm. I do think, yes, they are oftentimes excited in a way to hear the voice and shocked and surprised and like, oh, my God, that came out of you? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's it's my voice. It's the voice that God gave me. But I will say every time I am around a predominantly African-American crowd or church, 
it's always widely accepted because that is what we know in church. I mean, I remember growing up because I was in church every day because my grandmother was the music minister of church. So I was really, I'm not kidding, in church every day. And we would long for the third, I think it was the third Sunday when the male chorus would get up and sing. And I would look forward to that those Sundays because Deacon Johnson, he had a high soprano voice and he was the high voice in the quartet. So we totally have heard it in church. Then you think of people like Frankie Lyman, Frankie Valley, Michael Jackson even. I mean, these are all voices that sit in the countertenor range. All of them, but they're not called that. They were just Smokey Robinson. They were just Frankie Lyman. Why do birds sing so gay? He sang that song in that pitch. There have been popular singers who do it, and still today there are singers who sing up there. It wasn't something that was shocking. I think most people loved it. So for me, I think it just has to do with the fact that it was a voice that perhaps they hadn't heard in this idiom, in opera. They had heard it in gospel music. They had heard it in popular music, but not opera. And like I said, because most, I mean, I can't speak for every African-American family. Like I said, my family and a lot of the families that I knew had never really listened to opera. So the idea of opera, you would have not seen that kind of voice. And so to hear a male singing in the soprano range or alto range was kind of shocking. Like, oh, well, they have that too in opera. So I think that that is mostly where the shock and um, surprise comes into. But I have to say, I've never been, by any adults that I've encountered, never been shunned or made fun of because of it. I mean, they've always been so supportive and have told me to keep on going. Is there anything that you wish I had asked? How does it feel to sing? How does it feel to sing? Whenever I sing, it feels like what I hope heaven looks like and is like. I feel so free. I feel like I can fly. I feel like I can do anything. And so I hope that when I sing, that that is what people hear. I hope that my my being free and feeling free will also free others. Brother Holiday, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Eurydice is scheduled to come to the Met next year. We Shall Not Be Moved is available to stream for free via Opera Philadelphia's Digital O Festival until August 31st. We're in conversation. I'm James Bennett for WQXR. This episode was produced by me and Max Fine. Our executive producer is Lucas Kroengrimberga. And our technical producer is George Wellington.